Hello there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We're going to be in the book of James today as we continue with our series, Alive and Well. We want your faith in Jesus Christ to be alive and well. We don't want you to possess a dead faith. James would say in this little letter that faith without works, faith without action is a dead faith. It's absolutely meaningless. We don't want you to possess what James calls a demonic faith. James would also say in this letter, he would ask this question. He would say, do you believe in God? And he would say, good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder in God. And so we don't want you to have this false doctrinal faith that says, you know, all I have to do is believe. I don't have to put my faith into action. I don't have to produce any type of fruit. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to change my behavior at all. All I have to do is just believe. James would say, you're in the company of the demons. We don't want you to possess a dormant faith. In the book of James, he would say, if you see somebody who's cold and needs clothes, or somebody who's hungry and needs food, and you just say to them, well, good luck that your faith is dormant and it's waiting to be unleashed. We want all of our faiths to be off of the ventilator to be off of life support, to be alive and well. We want to possess a faith that's growing and flourishing, living and breathing, active and awake. And so today, James is going to address the subject of patience. Have you ever lost it when it comes to having patience? You know, I knew I was going to be preaching on patience, so I was waiting for myself to lose my patience this week, and it happened Monday evening. Um, I was in the food pantry, my wife Lindy was here, and our five kids were here, and we were distributing food, and uh, my five kids were doing what brothers and sisters do. Uh, They were arguing, they were tearing each other down, and I had had enough. I tried to steer the conversation in a different direction. I gave them warning after warning. uh, But the way they were talking to each other with such disrespect and such meanness, I finally lost it. I have a very long fuse, but when you get to the end of it, um, I I can lose my patience. And so in a tone that was not right, in a volume that was not right, I lost it and, and I went overboard and said, you're going to talk to each other that way? I know you're learning this stuff on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram or, or all these other. I, give me your phones. When you get home, I want all of your phones on my bed. I've had enough. Now, I was right in wanting them to talk well to each other, but I lost my patient, patience and it made me wrong. Has your patience ever been tested? Perhaps you heard about the teacher, the kindergarten teacher, who was helping one of her students put his boots on. He had asked for help and she could see why. She was pushing and pulling and the boots didn't want to go on. By the time she got the second boot on, she had literally worked up a sweat. 
Well, she almost whimpered when the little boy said, they're on the wrong feet. And so she pushed and prodded and pulled and got those boots off and switched the feet and, and pushed and, and got the boots back on. And she was out of breath. And then he announced, hey, these aren't my boots. Well, she bit her tongue rather than scream and say, why didn't you tell me so? And once again, she struggled to help pull those boots off. Then he said, well, they're not my boots. They're actually my brother's boots, but my mom is making me wear them. She didn't, whether, know, she didn't know whether she should laugh or she should cry. But she mustered enough, up enough grace to wrestle the boots on his feet again. And then she looked at him and she said, now, where are your gloves? And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you. I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. You see, patience is indeed a virtue. And in the reading from his letter, James is going to call on us, the brothers and the sisters in faith, to be patient. I think we need to be reminded to be patient today more than ever. We live in a very impatient culture. We want things to happen and we want them to happen right now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be put on hold. We want it and we want it now. And I think technology has expedited this. I'm old enough to remember the JCPenney and the Sears catalogs. I remember going to my grandmother's house and she would have the, these catalogs out uh, and I would begin to look at them and I would begin to dream about the toys that were coming out, these new toys that you could order from these catalogs. Now, if you remember that and you, and you ever had to order something from the JCPenney or the Sears catalog, you knew that once you placed your order, it would take weeks for that order to come in. And that order wouldn't be brought to your house, it would be brought to the local JCPenney or Sears store and you would have to go pick it up. Sometimes it would take you like six weeks to get the stuff that you ordered. Well today... My kids can see something on Amazon, we can pull our phone out, and by tomorrow morning, it's on our doorstep. You know, now more than ever, we live in a culture that demands things instantly. Patience is a lost art. So let's read what James has to say. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit on earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Okay, James is telling us, the readers, that we have to be patient. 
He's reminding us that life will not always be this way. That the Lord is coming to restore things, but until that day, we are to remain patient. Now, I think most of us realize that patience is a biblical virtue. We're just not in a hurry to obtain that virtue. In other words, we are very patient about waiting to become patient. I think some people just define patience as a delay in getting what they want. In other words, I'll be patient for a while as long as I get what I want in the end. As Margaret Thatcher once famously remarked, I'm extraordinarily patient provided I get my own way in the end. In today's fast-paced society and self-centered culture, patience is quickly disappearing, even among Christians. And if you are a believer in Christ, I want you to hear this today. I want you to understand something today. Patience is not optional for the Christian. The Apostle Paul repeatedly commands Christians to demonstrate patience to one another. In fact, this is a critical test of Christian authenticity. True Christian character, character, the very evidence of regeneration can be seen in authentic patience. So I want to give you a couple of verses just to, to hammer this point home, and then we'll jump back in the book of James. We'll go through these quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another and love. What helps us to show the love of Christ and to bear one another's burdens? Humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and what? Patience. In Galatians chapter 5, you have the famous fruit of the Spirit passage. Jesus would tell us over and over again that we'll be judged by our fruits, that a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And so the question we ask ourselves is, what type of fruit are we to produce to give evidence that we are born-again believers in Jesus Christ who walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul gives us an answer to that. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, the believer in Christ has to be patient. We have to be patient in dealing with people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And we urge you, brothers... Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, but do all this under this umbrella. Look what he says next. Be patient with them all. We could spend days looking at biblical verses on patience. 
The bottom line is that as Christians, we are called, we are commanded, we are commissioned to be patient with circumstances, with other Christians, with unbelievers, even patient with difficult people. So we're going to go back to the text in James. And what James is going to do, he's going to give us three biblical examples, three examples on people who were patient. He's going to talk about the farmer, the prophets, and a man named Job. Today we'll look at the farmer. Next week we'll look at the example of the prophets. And the week after that we'll look at this man named Job. Let's look at the farmer. James 5, 7, and 8. He says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now he springs into this example. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. If a person is impatient then they better not become a farmer. No crop appears overnight, and no farmer has control over the weather. Too much rain is going to cause the crop to rot. Too much sun can burn it up. An early frost can kill the entire crop. My grandfather was a farmer. He had a few cows. He had a garden but he was primarily an orchard farmer growing apples. As a little boy, I remember sitting on his lap while he drove the tractor through the orchards. I remember walking through apple orchards. And I didn't really know what it meant. I just knew that we picked the apples. Grandma made applesauce. Granddaddy made apple cider and sold it. He sold other apples, and that's kind of how he made his living. But as an adult... And I, look, and I look back on that. I don't know if you realize this or not, but depending on the variation of the apple, depending on the kind of tree you plant, it takes anywhere from two years to ten years for an apple tree to produce its fruit. And so can you imagine planting something and knowing that it's going to be five or ten years before uh, anything grows, before you can do anything with that? Farmers know a lot about having patience. You know, a lot of farming is waiting. Waiting for the good stuff to come. Waiting for the rain. Waiting for the sun. Waiting for the plants to grow. Waiting for the harvest. Waiting for the good things that only God can send. And so farmers are this wonderful example that James gives us of people who have to practice patience. Now, I want you to keep in mind, and I want you to understand that the farmer doesn't stand around and do nothing. Once he or she, once they plant their crops, they don't just stare at the crops waiting for it to grow. They're constantly at work when they look toward the harvest. And James is not telling us as Christians to put on white robes and and climb a hill and just wait for Jesus to return. We are to get to work while we wait. And so to conclude, I want to go back to James 7 and 8, and I want to read it again and make one final point. It says, be patient therefore, brothers. Now don't miss this phrase, until the coming of the Lord. 
So how long do we have to be patient until God comes again? See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit on the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also, like the farmer, be patient. Establish your hearts, and here's that phrase again, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James is telling us to work hard, to persevere, to be steadfast, to be busy when the Lord returns. We don't know when he's coming, but we remain patient. We remain diligent in serving him. We know he's coming and we don't get impatient. We don't turn our attention or our affection or our devotion to some other false idol, to some other false god. We realize that we are the bride of Christ and we wait patiently on him. He has gone to prepare a place for us. He's coming back to bring us home. We wait patiently on him as he waited so patiently on us to redeem us. There was a young man who was engaged to this beautiful young lady, and he actually had to go out of state for six months uh, to, to work. And he made a lot of money on this job. He missed her, but he made enough money in those six months to come back home, finally marry her, and buy a new house for her. Well, he didn't want to let her know. He wanted to surprise her. And so he, he arrived in town late. It was almost midnight. And he thought, you know, I've got to go over to her house. I want to surprise her. However, as he came near the house, it was all lit up. All the lights were on. As he came nearer, he heard music. Still nearer, he saw people dancing. And finally, looking through the window... He saw his bride-to-be in the lustful embrace of another man's arms while they danced. Well, his heart sank within him, and he went away never to return. If Jesus came back today, where would he find us, his professed bride? What would he find us doing? Would he find us in the arms of another God? You know, I waited on you for a while, Lord, but you didn't return. So now I'm in the arms of the God of comfort or wealth or the dark God of power or material possessions or gluttony or the goddess of lust. I think when James is telling us to be patient, he's referring to the fact that Jesus is coming back for us. So that should cause us to be patient with each other, but we also have to be patient with his coming back. And I think James is telling us, instructing us to draw strength from that. We're patiently waiting for the Lord's return. Now I know some would argue, well, why doesn't he come back now? There, there, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of innocent people hurting. Why doesn't God just go ahead and end this thing and come back now? The answer, he is patient. His love is steadfast. His justice is long-suffering. He knows 
that there are more souls to be saved. And so he models for us patience. If he returns today, may he find you and I both eagerly and patiently waiting for him. May we be like the servant that Jesus mentions in Luke chapter 12, verse 43. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find him so doing when he comes. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.